This is the Clinical Takeaway podcast from HealthEd, where we interview leading medical experts on important topics that can positively change the way you practice. Here's your host, GP and medical educator, Dr. David Lim. HealthEd's face-to-face seminars are starting up again in 2022. And we hope that you will be able to join us for a day of high quality learning with a lineup of great speakers and important topics in women's and children's health. I'll be chairing a number of these events and I look forward to seeing you there. Register at healthed.com.au. What do you tell your patients about rabies vaccination? Miss that mammal bites are rare and easily preventable and knowledge that rabies vaccination is expensive and that there is effective post-exposure treatment may have swayed some patients from accepting rabies vaccination. It is time for us to actively recommend rabies vaccination as it can not only be fatal if untreated or treated incorrectly, it will definitely ruin the holiday for that person. In this podcast, I will be speaking to Dr. Deb Mills. Dr. Mills, tell us about travelling and rabies. Yes, well, rabies is a very, very interesting topic. Um, Worldwide, about 59,000 people die every year. Wow. And probably half of those are in India. And the numbers are decreasing over time. Because we are getting on top of it a bit. But what happens with rabies is that if you're bitten by a mammal, so most commonly it's dogs, but it can be monkeys, cats, other animals, you don't know whether that animal has got rabies. Mm-hmm. And if you wait until you get sick, mm-hmm. you die. There's no treatment. There's one or two people who've survived catching the disease rabies, but it's not good enough odds that you would want to rely on it. So any animal bite is a very big deal. And the trouble is that people get bitten when they're traveling. About 15 million people worldwide have post-exposure prophylaxis. So that's what we call it when you get a bite and you go and have treatment afterwards. And the WHO recommends or reckons that this will prevent about 327,000 deaths. And for travelers, the problem is not that they are going to die of rabies because it's incredibly rare to die of rabies but it's actually rather common to be bitten. Mm -hmm. And it depends on where you go and what sort of activities you undertake. But if you get a bite, so so for example, Bali. Bali had no rabies for many, many years. And then somehow rabies got to the island. We know that 8% of people who visit the monkey forest in Bali Mm -hmm. get an animal bite. And there's no sign telling you this. I have had patients walking through the monkey forest with a big stick They put down the um, stick at the exit and then get bitten. Monkeys climbing up on people and reaching around and trying to grab sunglasses and bra straps and all sorts of things. These monkeys are smart and they are very determined. Many GPs are surprised to know that it is more common to get an animal bite with potential rabies risk than to get hepatitis A, than to get typhoid, than to get cholera. We fixate on these diseases which are kind of famous and we forget about rabies because rabies destroys the trip. You imagine if you get bitten in a country that where the medical care is a bit substandard. 
trying to access treatment can be very, very difficult and scary because you know if you don't get it right, you die. We did a series of cases that we saw and we found of 65 cases, only 14% were able to get the full treatment. So you cannot say, oh, well, I'll just get bitten and get treated when I'm over there because this is what happens. People say, oh, well, if you get bitten, you'll get treated. But that's not the case. That's not what happens. If you're bitten by a mammal overseas, you need to, and you've never been vaccinated before, you need to get a series of vaccines and they need to be started on the day of the bite. As well, you need to get a product called rabies immune globulin, which is basically instant antibodies to rabies, which they get from either vaccinating horses, vaccinating um, humans, or now they've got monoclonal antibodies to give these antibodies. But you've got to have that on the day of the bite. That's virtually impossible because the places you get bitten by a rabid animal or potentially rabid animal are places where the medical care is not great. That's why rabies is such a problem because the medical care is not great to get it under control. So it's very stressful because people have to drop everything and then try and find access to good care. And accessing this rig, this rabies immune globulin, which is injected into the wound, is difficult. And even if you can access it, it is disgusting. You know, most common place of being bitten is the fingers and the thumb. Most common dose is, five, is 10 mils. I've had barkies. You know, you try and inject rig into their thumb. It's just horrible. It's not something you want to have experience in your life. So the mistakes or the, the kind of myths, if we say, the myths are GPs will say to their patients, oh, well, just don't pat dogs. It sounds reasonable, don't pat dogs. However, about half of the people who are bitten with a rabies-prone wound are not patting dogs. They are walking on the beach. They are taking photos. They're sitting, watching fireworks. They're sitting in a restaurant. I had one man and he was in a shop and there was a little dog asleep on the bench and he went and did his transaction and the dog jumped up and bit him. And I said to this patient, if there was a snake, would you have done that transaction? He said, no way, I know about snakes. I said, you need to think of dogs like you think of snakes and uh -huh. keep away. You need to be on the other side of the road. It is not just don't pat dogs. It is be a very long way away from dogs. I have had people bitten getting out of taxis because they didn't see that there was a dog there. These rabid dogs are not behaving like nice, sweet little dogs. They're kind of jumpy and, and out of sorts. So they tend to bite people more easily. So not patting dogs is no answer. And the other thing people say is, oh, it's only a short trip. 85% of people get bitten within 30 days of arrival. Short trips are no guarantee either. Now, there's a lot of travellers and only, a, you know, maybe only 1% of travellers get a bite. But that's still a lot of bites because there are a lot of travellers. And interestingly, the high-risk age group for getting bitten are 20 to 29-year-olds. <laughs> because they're invincible and they don't take travel health advice and they've never heard of a travel doctor and they don't really understand the risks that they run. They see all these people patting animals and they think, I want to get this picture for Instagram. And so they pick you know, monkeys on their back and so on. I had one lady and she said to the monkey carer, you know, can I pat your monkey? And the monkey carer said, sure, you know, we'll take a photo. And the monkey bit her. And he said, oh, yeah, he bites everybody. She had to then go and have a whole course of rabies vaccine. So they don't care if you get bitten. It's no skin off their nose. Mm. They say, well, it probably doesn't have rabies, but you mm. can't have probably doesn't have. It's got to be absolutely guaranteed. And the other problem with monkeys, of course, is monkey bee virus. Now, there are no cases of monkey bee virus from Bali at the moment. And if it was there, we'd expect with 8% of people getting bitten, you know, we'd probably find out fairly quickly. But monkey bee virus is very hard to prevent. There's no vaccine for it. 
it's very serious, it kills you. And it's not something people want to even have to worry about. So you don't want to get bitten by any mammals at all. And I think that message is very important that not everybody needs a rabies vaccine, but everybody needs a lecture. And you need a lecture about, you know, don't pat dogs, there's no protection. Short trips is no protection. You need to think of dogs like snakes. Keep well away. And if you're bitten, you need to that day drop everything, ring your travel insurance company and go and get post-exposure treatment. And if you're traveling a lot, if you're going to be traveling frequently into high-risk countries, maybe go and get a course of rabies vaccine. Now, the other thing about rabies vaccine is there's two ways to give it. The standard way is about $180, $200 a dose, and you need at least two. Um, you can have the vaccine given in a different way called intradermal. Now, intradermal is done in travel clinics. Intradermal is where you have a tiny little micro dose into the surface of the skin to give you antigen in a more efficient way. So it's cheaper because you're using a little micro dose. You, it doesn't cost as much money because it's a smaller volume of vaccine. So you can get a rabies course for about under $100. Now, for backpackers going 20 to 29-year-olds, this is a very good system. And um, it means that they can get rabies vaccine. And once you've primed your immune system, once you've had a course of rabies vaccine, which eventually is three doses, you're primed for life. So for the rest of your life, if you're ever bitten by a mammal, you've got about a week to get to a doctor. You don't need the rabies immune globulin, the rig. And it's much more relaxing to have an animal bite if you're basically pre-immunized. The other thing that we need to tell people about rabies is that if you are bitten by an animal, you need to wash the wound very gently with soap because soap basically damages the envelope of the rabies virus so mm -hmm. it breaks it mm -hmm. down. So soap is good when you're washing rabies wounds. So you should run water over it for about 15 minutes, um, particularly if you're going to have trouble getting access to medical care. And this is why we have the book, um, which we talked about earlier, which we give to all our patients. So when they come for their visit, there's lots of information we have to give them, we give them the book. And that's why we run travel medicine conferences, which I have to just put in a small plug for. Um, there is a travel medicine conference coming up in Brisbane from the 16th to the 18th of September, which has lots of great speakers about more advanced travel medicine. And I'm giving a talk on rabies, so um, with lots of pretty pictures. The rabies vaccine they have in some parts of the world is the old sample vaccine, which is made on um, sheep brain. It's not very safe. And it's not the sort of thing you want. So it's very useful. In the back of our vaccination books, we say, make sure you ask for the you know, human, dipsoid, human diploid cell vaccine, the Merio vaccine, the RabiPure, the ViroRab. These are the names you want. These are the names you don't want. So people get the right vaccine. Wow, that's a lot of specialised information there. But, you know, you're already making us aware that conversations are so important, aren't they? Uh, in a previous podcast, you spoke about how we need to have conversations about BCG for young children who may be traveling home to see family. What you're really saying here is that we should be having conversations with our younger patients who love to travel and may love to go to Bali several times or to Phuket or somewhere in Thailand and, and really discuss uh, rabies vaccination. Now, you propose two uh, schedules. I'm not familiar with the intradermal uh, schedule. Is it just as effective as the standard schedule? Yes, that is a really good question that has been argued about for 20 years. And recently, the WHO has said that intradermal is equally effective as intramuscular. 
even in the Australian Immunisation Handbook, you know, the 10th handbook that is available online, it says that intradermal is fine provided the person doing the vaccine is skilled at doing the, the mm-hmm. immunisation. And the other proviso is we normally do a blood test to check their rabies level afterwards to make sure that it has worked. Because with all vaccines, there's always a concern that it doesn't work. And so the guidelines in Australia say to do the blood test afterwards. And the blood test is done about two to three weeks after the course. Mm -hmm. And what happened, um, David, is they had a course which was three doses, day zero, day seven, day 28. And that can be done either intramuscularly or intradermally. So the schedule is the same regardless of how you're administering the vaccine. Now, we did a trial where we gave the intradermal vaccine and we did a blood test at day 28 and we found that it was very, very effective in the younger age group. Like all vaccines, it works well when you're young and your immune system is very active. WHO recently shortened the course to two doses, but various authorities say you need to get a booster within a year or three years. So it gets a bit messy as to how many courses you're meant to have, uh, how many doses you're meant to have in the course. But there's no doubt that having that discussion with patients is really the most critical thing because most of the people who are bitten will say, I just didn't realise. So the GP should really think about referring the high-risk patients for the vaccine, but to have that conversation with every single person going into these countries where rabies is a risk. Deb, you also mentioned such important things like Uh, Once you get bitten, the first thing you do is you ring your insurance company to tell them you've been bitten and try and get uh, both the immunoglobulins and the first shots on the same day, but wash that wound for 15 minutes and use soap. Simple but important advice, not probably said to us strongly enough, I think. Look, you know, travel medicine is developing like all specialties and, you know, we've learned more as time goes on. The book that we give people as part of their visit is available online. Can I put in a plug? It's called Travelling Well, and patients can buy it for about $6, and it has all this kind of information. So GPs can refer patients if they want more information to read that kind of resource. Uh, It's just that if the GP flags it, if the GP just says it's not enough to have a short trip, it's not enough to don't pat dogs, you need to treat dogs like snakes and keep well away and if you're traveling frequently, we might need to recommend you get vaccinated. Look, it doesn't add much time to their consultation, but it really rounds out the importance of that thing to the patient. Because the patient, well, the doctor didn't mention it, so it mustn't be important. Is there anything well, you need to say about post-exposure management? Yes. Look, the, the main thing is that if it's done correctly, it's very, very effective. The reason it fails is because something's not been done correctly. Like you need to inject the rig into the wound. It used to be said, well, if you can't get it all into the finger, put it in the arm, put it in the butt, but that doesn't work. They now know that it's got to go all in the finger. If you've got someone who's having injected in the face and they've had lots and lots of bites, you have to dilute it so that it will get into the whole area of the wound around the face. So injecting rig is very specialised. It's not something that the GPs would want to get involved in. It's very unpleasant. Um, And it's done through public health units and travel clinics. But knowing about it means that you can explain it to patients. You can help them understand why it's important. The vaccine is then given as a series And you have one on day zero, day three, day seven, day 14, and sometimes day 28, depending on where you had the course. If someone's had a course of vaccines overseas, 
maybe we don't trust the vaccine quality of the um, you know, vaccine given in India. Maybe you do an antibody level afterwards just to make sure that it's working. If patients are bitten overseas and they haven't had their post-exposure course, it will be given free by the um, public health departments around Australia. And that's because at all costs, Australia does not want to have cases of rabies. <laughs> so they give free rabies vaccine to anyone, whether they're tourists, whether they're Australian, whether they've got a Medicare card, doesn't matter. Everybody gets post-exposure rabies protection. So the trick is, if someone comes to you and says, oh, I've been bitten by this dog, what do I do? You ring the public health department and you say, I've got this patient who was bitten by a dog in Bali. And they will go, oh, goody, we'll set in place our system and we'll get them vaccinated and we'll send them off to have their rig. It's all organised. Now, the trick comes if you have patients who say, I was in Nepal a month ago or three months ago or six months ago or a year ago and I was bitten by a dog, but I feel okay, I must be okay. No, 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 no. Rabies can incubate for many, many years. Wow. Many years. Like the two cases of rabies we have had in Australia from travellers, one was a little boy who went to India and nine months later was frightened to take a bath and basically turned out to have rabies. And the other one was a little girl who was in Australia for about six years, um, I think it was, and she had been in Vietnam until she was two or three and then she came down with rabies when she was about nine. I'm not sure about the exact dates, but it was a very long time. It was like five or six years. And she developed rabies many, many years after her exposure. It was not possible to get that vaccine, to get that disease in Australia. I had a patient who came in and he said, look, I was in South Africa and I was at the top of Table Mountain and I got bitten by a rock dassy. We, we were talking about his trip to Nepal. And I said, hop up on that bed right now. We're going to give you a course of rabies vaccine because you never know how long this thing can incubate. Wow. That is another really important point, eh? Yeah, and it's underappreciated. The other issue, I guess, is the whole issue of bats. And GPs uh -huh. would be seeing patients frequently who've been bitten by flying fox. And, of course, flying fox-nominated carers have a course of rabies vaccine. Now, those flying fox carers, they have a course of normal intramuscular. You don't muck around with those because lysovirus from bats is not terrestrial rabies. It's slightly different. And so the guidelines are that bat carers get a series of vaccines, day zero, day seven, day 28, with an intramuscular vaccine. Now, they need to not have the Merrier HDCV vaccine. They need to have Rabipure or Virorab. You can't just give them any old rabies vaccine because the HDCV has lots of protein and these back carers can get lots of vaccine over their life. And you give them <coughs> lots of HDCV and they can get serum sickness. And there have been cases in Australia of people getting serum sickness from too much of these other vaccines because there's human protein in it. So you've got to give them the right rabies vaccine. But most of the back carers are working for organisations where they are sending people to specific rabies immunisers who give them a discount and um, look after them and know about this kind of stuff. But it's worth understanding that all rabies vaccines are not the same. That, of course, is again so specialised that uh, access to your book and therefore these sorts of references is really, really helpful, Deb. But there have been a lot of really critical points already put forward to us. Um, I'm even asking myself now if I'm going to overseas, even for short holidays, um, would I just go and get it done anyway? I'm pretty compelled with this conversation now, Deb. I must continue. Honestly, that is the most common reason I get stressed phone calls from people overseas. Oh, my gosh, I've been bitten by this dog. I can't get the vaccine. What shall I do? 
And if you can't get the rig, you still want to have the vaccine because you start the rabies course straight away as soon as you can. You get the vaccine as fast as possible. You can give the rig up to seven days, six to seven days after starting. So you don't delay taking the vaccine because the vaccine is quite readily available in many countries as long as it's not the sheep one. Um, it's it's relatively easy to get. And then you can find your way, get yourself organised. The health insurance companies will usually find someone who can give you the proper vaccine if you know to ask for it. But interestingly, we did a study recently during pandemic. We were in lockdown. We had nothing to do. We did a study where we looked at whether or not one dose is enough for people leaving at very short notice. And it seems that for very short trips, one dose may be enough. Not that we would recommend that, but if you're really stuck, sometimes we have to do that. So there's lots of tweaks to the rabies story. And I think the main thing is, if I can reinforce, is the GPs telling patients about rabies, making sure they're aware of it, knowing when to refer, that is just critical. Last question. Uh, my patient is 23. Uh, he's going to Bali uh, and he hasn't given himself too much time. And your clinics, I, I, I understand the travel clinics are pretty much booked. What's the waiting time on in, in giving uh, injections like this? Well, look, we always keep aside some time for people who are leaving urgently because it always happens. People have got to suddenly visit a dying relative or whatever. So we do try and, you know, if patients ring or if the GP rings and said, look, I've got this patient who urgently needs it, of course, we'll we'll squeeze them in. Um, we're very understaffed. As you can imagine, it's hard to find doctors. And, of course, during the pandemic, everybody left because there was no work. For right. two years, we were in the doldrums. There was nothing to do. Uh, so we expect that as things ramp up again, it will get a bit better. But rabies vaccine is something that we can always squeeze in somebody. Deb, final messages to our GP listeners. Always talk about rabies. Tell patients about it. Make sure they're aware of it. You know, if they're going to be travelling frequently, if they're young, think about the intradermal method uh, because they're always concerned about cost. If people are older, we tend to use the intramuscular method because they've got more cash, so it's not so critical, the cost, and their immune system is not quite so robust, and often they're leaving at short notice. They don't have time for the blood test. So, look, I think the key messages are know about rabies, think about it, tell your patients, and if they're going frequently, high-risk things like trekking, bicycling is very high-risk then they should consider being vaccinated because they're out there with the dogs. If someone's on a shopping trip in a city, they're not going to really be in contact with dogs. Just enough to tell them about it, make sure they watch out for the dogs. They have like snake radar turned onto dogs. But if someone's going to be out in the villages, in the environment where there's potentially lots of dogs, being more adventurous, travelling far from medical care, they are the ones who really should be getting a rabies course. I'll finish with a quick story. I was in Japan. A monkey came close. I tried to take a photo and a monkey came at me so aggressively. <laughs> I just dropped my camera and ran. Absolutely. People have lost phones. They've lost sunglasses, all sorts of things. I've had people run into the water to escape dogs. You know, it's ignorance is kind of bliss with rabies. You just don't know what could happen, but it's a terrible disease. You know, there was a priest who wrote a story as he was dying of rabies. It was just awful. Travel medicine is full of these fascinating subjects and people who would like to learn more about travel medicine, there is this marvellous resource uh, coming up in September in Brisbane at the Hilton, which is the um, 
a conference on travel medicine. It's an Australia-wide conference. It's two days, lots of fantastic speakers on all manner of subjects from monkeypox and rabies and um, Japanese encephalitis and the pre-travel, the post-travel consultation. There's sessions for nurses, sessions for doctors. Um, it's going to be a great conference and it would be something that if someone is very interested in travel medicine and wants to learn more, it would be a great resource in our own um, country. Well, I'm going to walk away with this thought. Think of dogs overseas as snakes. Absolutely. Deb, I thank you for your time. Thanks so much, David. Just a quick reminder as we wrap up to encourage you to register for the next webcast where you can always catch a high-quality lineup of speakers and topics that HealthEd has put together for you. HealthEd webcasts are carefully created to provide high-quality video and audio so that you have the best possible learning experience. It's free, you get CPD points, and it's all delivered directly to the digital device of your choice, wherever you choose to be. Register now at healthad.com.au. You can claim RACGP CPD points for listening to this podcast using the self-claim option. Log into your account on the RACGP website, go to the CPD section and click on self-claim.